you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Good evening, church. Such a joy to be in the house of God and just to say goodbye to 2023 and to, and to welcome 2024. I want to welcome everyone. And those who are here for the first time, I want to say that I'm so delighted that you chose to come here to worship with us this evening. And uh, I know that as we look at 2023, we are actually at the final hours of 2023, and, uh, and we are about to enter into 2024, and all that happened to us in 2023 is easy for us to trace back and write a book. We can say what really happened during the span of 2023, but that is in store for us in 2024 is totally unknown to us, totally unknown to us. So we are entering into an uncharted territory of our lives, and how do we navigate our way through that? How do we navigate our way through that? So as I was preparing the message to preach this evening, I was reminded of my first exposure to one of our mission schools. We started in Devon. Let me show you the picture of that. That's a church in Devon. And then in that church, we have a preschool and some of the children that you can see here. Actually, when I first went to see this facility, we went and parked the vehicle on the roadside. The evangelist who takes care of this church or the school, he asked me to go with him to see the church. It was quite late in the night and within a few steps, I came to a high and remote mountain pass. I saw that the path had almost been washed out. All I knew was there were leeches and possibly some snakes. And it was a treacherous pathway. To the left, there was a sheer rock cliff. And to my right, a deep valley that really dropped nearly 1,000 feet. And looking down, I felt my head growing faint, and my knees began to buckle, and fear gripped me. And because of the blowing wind that, that uh, late night, I could hardly hear the evangelist talking. Seeing my fear and anxiety, he shouted out. And he said, Pastor, do not look down or you are a dead man. And he said, keep your eyes on me. And then he said, and where I put my feet, put yours there as well. Where I put my feet, put yours there as well. I did as I was instructed to, and soon I passed from danger to safety. This is a good advice for the beginning of a new year. It's a great advice. No one knows what lies ahead of any of us. We all have plans and dreams 
but the times and seasons of life are in God's hands. Sooner or later, we all may come, come to dangerous passes where the way ahead may seem to be washed out. At that moment, we can panic and fall into terrible trouble. Church, if we can fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and mark carefully his steps before us, and if we follow him, we'll find him that at the end of the year, 2024, that we have been kept safe by his amazing grace. In essence, this is the crux of the message to you this evening. So this evening for our reflection, we are going to examine the three verses that you heard from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, and see what lessons we can learn that would help us in this journey of life through the uncharted territory. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, most of you know, is called the Hall of Faith. It's called the Hall of Faith. It is actually a collection of famous heroes from the Old Testament, giving those examples of what it means to live by faith. What it means to live, live by faith. The Hall of Faith teaches us that through faith, we can face the adversities of life and experience the tranquility in Christ. Then we come to verse 12. Sorry, chapter 12, verse 1. Let's look at it again. The Hebrew writer, we don't know who the writer is, he says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which, is so, which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Come along with me, please. In our text today, the writer presents the theme of endurance. Everybody say the word endurance. Endurance, which is needed for us to pursue this race of life. He gives the metaphor of a marathon here as you read this passage. As I was preparing, I came across this saying, I'm sure most of you might have heard this, life is a marathon, not a sprint. Have you heard that? Trained for endurance, not speed. It's a great saying. It's a great saying. Now, the question is, how do we prep ourselves to run this marathon of life in the year 2024? That's the question. So let's look at verse 1 more critically now. As you look at this passage again, come along with me. The writer says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by, by so great a cloud of witnesses, then he goes on to say something, and then he says, the race that is set before us. The three phrases I want you to observe here is the writer begins with the word, therefore, and he exhorts the reader to run with endurance, and then he says the race that is set before us. Just come along with me. So what is he saying here, church? The first observation is therefore, which simply means in light of what you have heard and seen in the previous chapter or what I have written down, referring to the hall of faith of the Old Testament saints, 
Let them and their lives and their faith set the examples to you for what? That's the second observation that we have. Let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance, meaning as we choose to run the race of life, do it with endurance like the Old Testament saints. And the third observation is equally important. He said the race that is set before us, meaning that the race is already set for us by God himself. By God himself. So there alone we know that whatever that comes past in our lives is known by God. God is not surprised. At the, we may be surprised at the events that we may come across, but God is not. So what does it really mean to, mean to us, church? The Christian life is a difficult marathon. We should run with endurance the race course of life is set by God. The sovereign God has already planned it for each one of us. And when we are struggling and we will, may the life example of the Old Testament saints be a source of encouragement for us. So church, Christian life isn't a two-week sprint. It's a lifelong marathon. With a, with a sprint, you put a quick burst of energy into something for a short period of time, and you quickly reach the finishing line. But with a marathon, you spread out your energy and attempt to give a bigger burst at the end to get over the finishing line. Church, my experience as a pastor is that everyone needs a quick fix to a problem that they encounter in their lives. It could be with your children, with your spouses, with your parents, with your friends or community. And what you do, you bring the child back to the church for a week and then you say, Pastor, nothing seems to work. Or you fast and pray at home for a week continuously and then you say, there isn't any change. The idea is that we would like things to be done quickly, but some things take time to develop. Some things take time to develop. So the Christian life is a lifelong, grueling race that entails some long hills to climb and some swampy marshes to plot through. To make it to the end of the journey, church, we need self-discipline. To get into the good shape, we'll need to maintain our motivation and we'll need to sustain effort. Church, no one enters a marathon with the thought of dropping out after a mile. Finishing well is everything. So in this race of life, you are not competing with other believers. If we can only comprehend the truth, I tell you this, there will be no jealousy. There will be no comparison with someone else. Because you are not competing with anybody else. We are all on the same team. We are only competing against the enemy of our souls who opposes God's kingdom and wants us to drop out. Your eyes will be focused on your mission only if you know this truth, that you are not competing with someone else. 
Your purpose in life is to reach the goal set before you by God. The goal that God has set before me is completely different from the goal that the Lord has set before someone else. If I am to mimic somebody else, I will not be able to achieve the goal that God has set before me. I am uniquely created by my God. The Hebrew writer gives us some guidance as to how we could run this marathon of life and be successful. So we can look at this verse again. Look at verse uh, 1 again. I just want us to focus on the second part of it. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so great a cloud of witnesses, the author pictured these previous champions of faith mentioned in chapter 11 as spectators from the heavens, cheering us as we press on to overcome present discouragement in an athletic competition. That's how he has pictured it here. But I just want you to warn you here, let us not make a theological conclusion that the loved ones are watching us from above. That is not what the writer is saying here. How can I say that? Because no other scripture supports or validates that theory. What the writer is saying here is that there are, there are witnesses to us of faith and endurance in all they have lived and experienced. Let me give you a few examples. How many of you know Pastor Ken Miles? Some of you know, some of you don't. He's been a pastor who planted a church in the 70s. And he has been very persistent and consistently, and he has been working on that tirelessly. And today the church is operating in Kitchener with three, two services per Sundays, reaching into a larger community. There was a man that who faced challenges, who over, he was able to overcome because of his faith. He is an example for me when I face challenges in the ministry. Take the example of Hudson Taylor, missionary to China, or the Wesleyan brothers, missionaries to Sri Lanka. They are witnesses of faith and endurance when I feel down in my mission's work. Prophet Jeremiah is a great example, is a witness of faith and endurance when I do not see the fruit of my labor in my ministry. You all know my sister-in-law who died of cancer is a witness of faith and endurance when you face health challenges in life. I'm sure you'll have others in your own life. That is what the Hebrew writer is saying here in this passage. So church in 2024... As you face adversities and challenges, and you will for sure, may these saints of the hall of faith and many others who have gone before us, may their faith and endurance be witnesses for you to run with endurance, to finish it well. So my encouragement to you is to keep on keeping on. So the first lesson we learn 
as we are about to launch our marathon in 2024, we will face numerous challenges. We will feel like giving up at times of discouragement. Let's reflect on the saints of the Hall of Faith and see how they endured and let us be encouraged by the men of faith. Let me pause here and ask you a question, please. How many of you during the year 2023 that you felt like giving up? Put, don't put your hands up. How many of you felt that I could not face the next day? How many of you felt that there is no hope for tomorrow? How many of you felt that I have lost it all? I may not make it through this year. And we have to pause and look at the men of faith and be encouraged by that. So that's the first lesson that we are learning here. So having said this, that we should be encouraged by the hall of faith as we run our marathon, now the writer of the Hebrews, he's saying two specific things that we need to do as we begin this marathon. Look at Verse 1 again. Let's go back. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he says this, let us lay aside, what? Every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So firstly, we must lay aside every weight. And secondly, we should lay aside the sin that ensnares us. What does lay aside every weight mean? It means, church, lay aside every burden, every impediment, every hindrance. Church, you would have seen Olympic athletes in our day wearing pretty skimpy outfits. They don't want anything to slow them down or drain their energy. But you would also observe some people with, with a knapsack packed with water bottles and goodies to eat on their way as they pursue their marathon race. Now you would see, I'm, I, I put some pictures together here. There are two people on a marathon. You can say there's one with a knapsack at the back and the other one is ready to run the marathon. And the, this girl, other girl wouldn't stand a chance of finishing, let alone winning, because she has not laid aside every burden. So here, I, I just want you to understand this passage of Scripture, weight is distinguished from sin. Every weight, every sin. So they include things that are not intrinsically wrong, but they are wrong because they keep you from running as you should. That's why they are wrong. These are the things that Apostle Paul calls them as things that are permissible but not profitable. Look at this passage of Scripture. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. If you got rid of those heavy hiking boots and put on some jogging shoes, you would run better. If you drop that pack 
and dressed in shorts and a tank top, you might finish the race. So you may ask, Pastor, what has that got to do with me? How does that apply to me? So church, I want to list you three weights. There can be many that may be holding you down in your own lives. Number one is busyness. Can everybody say the word busyness? Busyness. In many ways, being busy has become synonymous with living a productive life. If you are so busy, we think we are living an excellent life. If we are too busy to pray and read the Bible, we are too busy to the extent that God is not needed in our lives. Let me repeat that statement, please. If you are too busy to pray and read the Bible and attend the church, we are too busy to the extent that God is not needed in our lives. If we say that spending time in prayer and studying God's word is the top priority in our lives, we must back it up with our actions. You might say, I am too busy at work, Pastor, that I rarely get time for prayers Bible studies. Church, one thing you don't realize, having a job is a good thing. But have you ever thought who gave you that job? Some have said, Pastor, I'm too busy taking care of my kids' needs. It is a good thing. Have you ever thought it was the Lord who loaned you those kids? They are not yours. Some might say, Pastor, I'm too busy taking care of my house errands. It is a good thing. But who gave you that house? And the list can go on. If what God has blessed you with becomes a hindrance for your walk with Christ, that is a weight. That is what the writer is saying, put aside. Church, you only know what is weighing you down. We are too busy chasing after the needs and the wants of our lives at the expense of our time with God. This can be the weight that pulls you down, not let you run your race with endurance. And the scripture is clear here. Look at this passage. But first, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Church, I want you to take this seriously. I want you to take this message very seriously. What is really pulling you down? What weight is really holding you up so that you cannot and not able to spend time with God? Martin Luther once said, It is on the busiest day that I spend the longest on my knees. It is on the busiest day of my life I spend the longest on my knees. So this evening, as we prepare ourselves to enter into this marathon of life in 2024, let us put aside the weight of busyness and seek Him first. So that is one weight. There's another weight that I want to talk about the second way that I'm, I'm mentioning is worldliness. Everybody say the word worldliness. Worldliness. Church, 
Worldliness is a huge hindrance to our spiritual walk. What do I mean by worldliness? We can do a one study on the subject of worldliness. But I just want to focus on one aspect of worldliness. The company of carnal, unregenerate people and graceless, nominal, professing Christians can be a hindrance in your life. I'm not saying not to associate with these people. You need to in order to draw them closer to the Lord. But if you are not guarded, church, the roles might reverse. And they will entice you and lead you to an ungodly lifestyle. So let me ask you this question. Who are your closest associates and friends? Who do you hang out most with? This can be the weight that pulls you and not let you run the race with endurance. I'm not able to pray because I got to see somebody. I'm not able to come to church because I need to go and fellowship or party with somebody. I'm not able to study the Word of God because I'm so busy spending time with somebody. The Bible warns us, church. Look at this passage. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness and with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Church, the New Testament term for fellowship expresses the idea of being together for mutual benefit. That is why the Hebrew writer says in Hebrew chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And then he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Church, the day is approaching. The Lord is coming and we have been called to fellowship together so that when we come together, we can stir up love and good works. So put aside your carnal company in 2024 and be in fellowship with believers. Who are the carnal friends of your lives? Who are taking most of your time? Put aside. And the third weight that I want to mention here is pride. Is pride. This is a serious matter amongst so-called believers. Some have the superiority complex. I know it all mentality. They float high in the spiritual realm, refusing to be corrected, and always want to have the last say. Who is he or she to tell me what to do? Church, the two key traits needed for a true believer is humility and teachability. Humility and teachability. Can we say those two words, please? Humility and teachability. Those are the two key words, two attributes that should be found in a believer, a true believer. 
The scripture warns us about pride in, 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 uh, in the Proverbs. It says, pride comes before disaster and arrogance before a fall. Pride will lead you to a fall as you pursue the marathon of life. Apostle Paul gives us um, the merits of being humble. Sorry, Apostle Peter. He says this, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God... And what would he do? That he may exalt you in due time. As you put aside the weight of pride and humble yourself, as you go on your marathon, the Lord will exalt you. So put aside your pride and arrogance and be humble, be teachable, so that you can run this race. Church, I just listed three dead weights and you need to cast off in order to run the race, to reach the goal in 2014. And there can be more. And you know what they are. If for each one is different, you know what they are. So the first thing that the writer is saying here to do in order to compete the marathon successfully, he says... To lay aside every weight that takes your eyes off Christ. Talking about busyness, about worldliness, and about pride. And examples I gave you. Secondly, let's go back to the first verse again. He said, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares you. He's talking about a sin that we need to lay aside. In biblical times, I'm sure you'd have seen in pictures, people wore long robes. You can't run with long rope entangling the legs. You must either pull it up, tuck it under your belt, or you cast it totally aside. The same with sin. In the case of sin, you must totally get rid of it if you want to run the Christian race. This refers to all sins. Not just the besetting sins. All sins. Sin always begins in the mind. Let us make a clean, fresh start in 2024, church. Let us, I know that as we look back at this year, all of us, including myself, we have sinned and sinned and sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. But the Lord says, if we confess, He is faithful and just. He will not only forgive us, church. In Isaiah, He says, He will wipe out our transgressions. And He will remember it no more for His own sake. That's our God. How many of you have sinned in 2023? Put your hands up. Some of you have not. God bless you. But I'm sure you're going to in 2024. I'm sure you're going to 2024. But God is giving us an opportunity tonight to put aside all sins. Like the way, same way they are putting aside every weight. Put aside all sin and have a clean slate to start 2023. Sin originates in your thought life. Pride, lust, envy, 
greed, anger, grumbling, selfishness. If you cut it off there, then it goes no further. If you entertain these, they, they incubate and develop into sinful words and actions. Church, we quite often play with sin as if we have control over it. The very first thought that comes in your mind, if you can nip it at the butt, you are free. But if you allow it to stay in your heart, in your mind, allow it to develop, and your thoughts will go wild, and after a while you lose control, and your thought will cause you, or rather force you, to put into action what the devil wants you to do. That's exactly what James says. Look at this passage. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. Look at this passage. You are drawn away by his own desires and enticed. You know what that word means? It means that the Satan comes next to you as the thought process, when the sin is still at the thought process, he putting your arm, his arms around you and enticing is just taking you away. That's what he's doing. And see the consequences of that. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Your thought process, when it's conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, what does it do? It brings forth death. Brings forth death. Church, do not, do not, do not flirt with sin. The author points that you can't run the Christian race if you keep tripping over your sin. Nip it at the butt. Nip it at the butt. So to run the race of life with endurance in 2024, there are two things that he's asking us to lay aside. Number one, every weight that takes your eyes off Christ and the sin which so easily ensnares you. Now, having told us how to prepare ourselves for this marathon, now the author goes on to say what would be the motivation to keep running. Let's look at verse 2 now. I just want you to read with me, if you don't mind. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The author is saying Jesus himself is the main motivation to keep running this race of marathon. The main, the main way to run with endurance, the race that is set before us, is fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's what he's saying here. Notice, church, the, the writer used the correct word here. He says, looking unto who? Jesus. He did not say looking unto Christ. Do you see that? Looking unto Jesus. The name Jesus deliberately focuses on his humanity, 
on his humanity. As a man, Jesus is a supreme example of exactly how to live by faith in God in this world. He trusted God at the beginning of his ministry when Satan tempted him. He relied on God to such a degree that he could claim the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. He claimed to speak the very words that, ha- that he heard from the father. He trusted the father in the garden of Eden and he went to the cross and trusting his soul to the father. And his final words included, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So from start to finish, but especially on the cross, Jesus showed us how to walk by faith. So this text we are looking at here today, it actually reveals five things about Jesus. And the, law, and the author is alluding to that. Just like, follow along with me, please. In this, in this second verse, he says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus is the author of the faith. Another word for that is Jesus is the captain of faith. Is the captain of faith. It means that Jesus is the source of life, salvation, and faith. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, where Jesus is known as the author of our salvation through sufferings. He is the author. He is the author and the captain. It also refers to the leader or captain, the one who goes before the troops, showing them the way. Church, Jesus blazes the trail of faith for all of us to follow him. In the same way that evangelist, when I went to Devon, was going before me, even though I could not see him, Jesus blazes the trail of faith so that we can follow him. He goes before us, showing us how to live by faith in God alone. So may our eyes be focused on Jesus, who is the author of faith. That's the first thing that we learn from this. And the second thing that he says here, he is not only the author, but he is the finisher of our faith. What does that mean? He's the finisher of our faith. It means that Jesus finished the course of faith perfectly. Perfectly. He finishes perfectly, showing how to finish well. You know, church, as we enter into 2024... And as we are going to run this marathon of life, I know we are going to have lots of struggles in our lives. There will be times of uncertainties. I just want us to remember that Jesus is the finisher of our faith. And Apostle Paul encourages us in his his epistles to the saints in Philippi, and this is what he says, For I am confident of this, that I'm certain that this will come to pass, that's what it means, that he who began a good work in you, what does that mean? Christ who set the race course for you, for your life, will perfect it in this marathon of life. He will see that I complete and complete well until the day of Christ. Wow. 
when I prepared this message, this passage really opened my inner eyes. I know we hear this all the time. We speak it all the time. I just want you to apply it to your own life today. He who began a good work in you. This is what we are confident about. That he will make it perfect. He will see that I compete and I complete well in this marathon of race. That must be comforting for us, church. May our eyes be focused on who the, the finisher of our faith is. Then look at this passage again. It says here, Jesus, the author says this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus shows us the motivation to endure by faith. Church, the reason that Jesus could endure that horrible prospect of bearing our sin was that he focused on the joy set before him. He knows the end of the story. Let me ask you today, how many of you know the end of your story? Put your hands up. If you are a believer, you should know the end of your story, church. We know the end of the story. That is why we can say that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd and I will be, I'll, be, I'll dwell with him forever and ever and ever. That is our end. That is the joy. So the joy here for the Lord himself is the joy of bringing many sons to glory, but also the greatest joy was that glorifying the Father by completing the work that Father gave the Lord to do. So when Jesus returned, we read in the book of Revelation, the, uh, and Trump, triumphant over Satan, sin, death, and hell, the angels rejoiced. At the marriage supper of the Lamb will be a time for us to rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him. Keeping that glorious joy in view enabled Jesus to endure the agony of cross. He was able to endure it. See what Paul talks about our life. And Pastor Dio mentioned that this morning. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Church, in 2024, you are going to face trials. You are going to face issues that you may not be able to handle. There'll be times of uncertainties. There'll be times of concerns. But it is in those moments of time I just want you to think like Christ, where Apostle Paul says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There is joy awaiting for all of us believers. So may our eyes be on Jesus, who is the source of our motivation of our faith in life. Then, look at this passage again, please. 
We are still in verse number 2. The writer says, For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Jesus shows us the greatest example of endurance by faith through the most difficult trial ever. No one has endured a greater trial than the, than the cross. None of us have gone to the cross. None of us know the gravity of what that really means. Jesus knew it. Jesus knew the glory and joy of perfect fellowship with the Father in heaven before coming to this earth. Only Jesus knew the perfect holiness and of his divine nature to leave heaven, to take on the form of a servant, and to be obedient to his death on the cross, and the substitute for our sins in, is unmatched in human history. Church, may our eyes be focused on Jesus, who is the greatest example of endurance by faith through the most difficult trial. Church, it's easy for a believer when everything is going well to look at someone else and say what? Praise the Lord, brother. Easy. That's the easy thing to do. When you are struck with an incurable disease or when the doctor tells you you have only a few more days to live or when you're financially you are broken and down and you don't know what tomorrow holds, and when you have lost a loved one, will you be able to look at someone else and you say, praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord, sister. Look at how the Lord Jesus set an example for all of us. Endured the cross, despising the shame. Finally, we are looking at it here. Look at the same verse again. We see in verse number 2, he says, He has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And, wow, what a, what a verse it is. Now, the, the author points us to the end reward that the Lord Jesus enjoyed for his faithful endurance through his suffering earthly life. Jesus is in the most exalted place in the universe and, and the place of all rule and authority. The holy angels bow before him in adoration and reverence while Jesus is unique. His exaltation to the right hand of the throne of God, it shows us, church, a glimpse of his glory we'll share throughout eternity. It is by faith we run with endurance. It is by faith we run with endurance. So my encouragement to you is that may our eyes be focused on Jesus who has shown us the final reward of faith. So as we sum this up, it says to run with endurance by fixing our eyes because he is the author of our faith. He is the finisher of our faith. He is the motivator. He is the example. And he has shown us his reward. Church in 2024 you will certainly become weary. You will want to give up. You will faint. You will stumble and trip over. Church, 
So the Hebrew writer says that uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus is the key to not grow weary and lose heart. Look at verse number three. For consider him who that him means, Jesus. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. The literal rendering is when your eyes are not focused on Jesus, spiritual failure happens gradually from continuous weakening. Just as a runner who is not ex in excellent condition gradually slows down and finally collapses, so the believer who does not keep looking with faith to Jesus will eventually collapse. We call it burnout today. And it seems that there are many who are weary in their souls in the Christian marathon. The remedy, church, is to fix our eyes on Jesus. May Christ be the motivator. Now it begs the question. The application is, how do we fix our eyes on Christ? How do we do that? You know, church, fixing our eyes on Christ, it simply means taking our eyes off ourselves. I like once uh, Brother Albert was telling that's the first time I heard this. If you want to drive, if you're driving a vehicle, you can look at the rear, rear view mirror and drive. You can't look back and drive front. Makes sense. Never thought about that. It's the same here. If you want to focus on Christ, your eyes must come off from wherever they are looking right now. Fixing our eyes literally is looking off to. The idea is taking your eyes off other things and focusing on Christ. As the writer exhorted us, lay aside every weight, every sin that so easily ensnares us. Take an inventory of all that is holding you back. Church, in order to fix your eyes on Jesus, to run with endurance this marathon life, first, you have to examine yourself if you are in the faith. This message is useless for you if you are not in the faith. This message will not help you if you are not in the faith. It says no good if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior. So here's what Apostle Paul calls us to do in 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Church, I want to give an opportunity. You are here today in the sanctuary you chose to come into the house of God because there is something that prompted you that you have to come. It may be out of compulsion. 
It may be out of tradition. It may be because you want to be in the house of God. Whatever it may be, the Holy Spirit prompted you and caused you to come into the house of God. And you are going to face the 2024. You are going to run that race. It's a marathon. And you need the endurance to run. In order for you to run that endurance, for your eyes to be focused on Christ, number one and the most fundamental thing is that whether you have accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is He the Lord of your life? If not, all these benefits that we looked at will not apply to you. Our eyes must be focused on Christ. So at the end of my sermon, I'm going to give an opportunity for those of us or those in the sanctuary who may have not still committed your life to the Lord. Let us not enter into 2024 without having that assurance. The, law, the Bible says very clearly, if you repent and if you come with a contrite heart, and you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, He will come, He will reign in you. And you are the recipient of all these benefits that we looked at today. When your eyes are focused on Him. That is to those who have not committed their lives to the Lord. To those of you who have committed their lives to the Lord, to the believers... To fix your eyes on Jesus, to run with endurance and complete this marathon of life successfully, we need to employ a spiritual discipline, a daily exercise, a time alone with God and asking Himself. The Bible tells us to examine ourselves to see if you are walking in righteousness. Look at this passage of Scripture. Please, church, I, I appeal to you, I plead with you, the believers. May this be the prayer you say every night before you go to sleep. May this verse be the verse that is going to bring you to a disciplined Christian life. Because the whole day you are running around and you are busy doing all sorts of things. Maybe you are still carrying some weight with you. I'm talking to believers. You may still be carrying that busyness. You may still be carrying that carnal companies. Or you may still be carrying that pride in you. Or other, other weights that you're carrying. At the end of the day, when you have a one-on-one -one time with, with God, memorize this scripture, uh, passage of Scripture. And speak it out one-on-one -on -one with God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. You know what, church? When you make that prayer, and if you're serious about it, you know what the Lord does? He will wipe out your transgressions. And He will not remember them anymore. And the next day when you get up, you have a clean slate. Amen? Praise be to God. The believers, can you take it as a challenge, please? Will you do that in 2024? May this be something that you do daily. Every day. As you wake up in the morning, 
I'm going to encourage you to pray the prayer where ask the Lord to put on, help you put on the full armor of God. Because you're fighting a battle against the devil, against the schemes of the evil one. God, help me to put on the full armor of God. Read Ephesians chapter 6 as your morning prayer. And as you go through the day, at the end of the day, come back to your bed, one-on-one -on -one time with God, and cry out to the Lord and say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, God, please. Try me. Know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. You have a clean slate. You will be able to run your race with confidence. With confidence. So church, I'm going to ask every one of you to take a moment just to close your eyes and bow your heads down. Keith, can you come to the front, please? And here's what I want you to do. Honestly, there is nothing to be shameful of. If you have not committed your life to the Lord, nothing to be shameful of. But let this day not pass by. Let today not pass by, please. Here's what I'm appealing to you, church. Ask yourself, is the Lord Jesus Christ, is he my personal Lord and Savior? Have I committed my life to him? If not, please do not leave the sanctuary without coming and be prayed over. Those of you who are believers, ask the question, what is the weight that I'm carrying today? What is the sin that I have not addressed today yet? And as the scripture has called us, let us turn our eyes to Jesus. And if you are convicted, and if you want to make that commitment, after we sing a chorus, turn your eyes upon Jesus, I want you to stand from wherever you are and come to the front and let's line up here. Let us pray. And let us commit our lives to the Lord before we enter into 2024 so we can run that race with confidence. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.